My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 94th episode of Space Spinner oh, 2000. No, 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 no. Yeah, nope. listen, buddy, no, a no, pod- no. it's a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for February and March 1983, progs 305 to 308. This week. Beautiful. Judge Dredd takes on the Trapper Hag, Rogue Trooper takes on Napoleon, Harry 20 takes on the world, and Skiz takes on gravity. And I guess uh, Robo Hunter takes on music? Yeah. Well, you know, let, let's get to it. Um, I just want to say that we're... We're starting some. Uh, we're about to start a spate of really high quality time twisters this um, in these coming months. Um, Strong agree. Yeah, and if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in the Judge Dread Complete Case Files Six, Rogue Trooper Tales of New Earth One, Robo Hunter the Droid Files Two, the Harry Twain and the Hierarch gra- graphic novel, the Complete Skiz graphic novel. And uh, you can find the Reversible Man fu- uh, Time Twister in the complete Alan Moore Future Shocks. <laughs> but not the rest of the Alan Moore. Not, well, the shit. rest of these ones aren't by Alan Moore, I'll mention. Uh, but yeah, we'll, that's right. We'll it's, get uh, to it eventually. We'll get to it soon enough. <laughs> yeah. Instead, it yeah, listen, let's get to There's it. There's other stuff he does better. Let's, well, let's no, go no. To I just don't want to. I just want to start talking about that too much when we still got to cover through one Robo Hunter. Beauty. Hey, do you know what's really great? Mm. Is it uh, being in a concentration? Yeah, a bunch of gross concentration camp animals. Um, so, script robot is Alan Grant and John Wagner's Grant Grover. Art robots Ian Gibson, letting robot Steve Potter. So, yeah. Um, the musical comic played against Sam is concluding. Um, due to the evil actions of Oswald Modroid, all the humans of Britsit are now imprisoned in concentration camps, which is always bad. Um, as, as they sleep, a procession of grosser and grosser pests comes out to the tune of when Johnny comes marching home. Like, we are the rats who live in your huts. Ha ha. Ha-ha. We'll nibble your knees and bite your butts. Ha-ha. Ha-ha. It's always funny when someone mentions butts, but also it escalates to just... It yeah. goes from cockroaches yeah. to worms to slime, and slime is definitely my favorite. Yeah, it goes from rats to roaches to fleas to lice to oh, maggots. Right. And man, it's pretty gross. <laughs> but, um, luckily, though, it was all a dream that uh, Sam was having. The next day... Sam and Stogie see that Hoagie is the new guard at the camp, and so the trio get together to try to make a scheme, basically. Um, he's all up into beating Sam, and he's like, it, it's actually, for the first time ever, Hoagie is a clever diversionary tech. He's like, oh, look at this guy, I'm going to beat him. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, you should definitely beat him, and I'm going to go into this hut, I'm going I'm to beat the shit out of him. And it's like, hey, by the way... In a lot of very fancy words, I'm the guy who's gonna keep beating you. He it's doesn't like, keep. He stops well, beating him, but he makes Sam keep like periodically shouting like he's being beaten in the beating hut. Basically, well, so so what I mean is more of just like 
even intelligent hoagies like listen outside is not safe so we've got to keep you in here which yeah. is like yeah so sam does something about it in the most yeah. same way <laughs> yeah. possible when, when when smart hoagie won't allow sam to escape sam does what comes naturally which is just sort of grab him by the shoulders and shake him around and eventually <laughs> he hits his head on the wall which returns him back to dumb hoagie status <laughs> thank god and i You'll never hear me say that about Walter, but I will say that about Hoagie. Yeah, a character, think... a character with like interesting plot development and things that happen to him. Hey, dumb Hoagie is often a fun time. Yep. Anyhow, yep. yep. <laughs> he's much. He's much more willing to to make a silly mistake like trying to escape from prison camp. Um, <laughs> so with Hoagie on board, uh, Sam needs one more element to escape, and that's a good diversionary riot. That's always a good time. Um, oh my god, that yeah. may be my favorite two words ever. Diversionary, Diversionary riot. Yeah. riot. Totally. So he asks Kid, who's still, of course, a leader of the Human League, like, anti-robot group, um, to set things up. And Kid agrees, but with one condition, you gotta take him with you. <laughs> god, and he's looking particularly gross in, in like, the end of this, or at the start of this thing. He's, he's looking like a real ape. I mean, I want to say for the record that, like, Kid has been a kid since 1980, so he's, like, he's got to be, like, five or six at this point. That's what I'm trying to say. But, uh... <laughs> Disgusting child. Yeah, he's gross. to say. Super gross. But he grows into, like, this kind of beautiful pilot, so I don't know what to think about. He's, like, this ugly... He's ugly, uh, like, because of his character, but he's also ugly in how they draw them him physically but if you remember he was like this swarthy not swarthy he was like a blonde dashing yeah. pilot i think he's just you know he's got looks he's got to grow into you know what i mean um it's i like ugly duckling buddy because i've been beautiful since i was born so fair point i know you have the heart problems um so <laughs> um Anyhow, so eventually, though, Sam agrees, and the ride kicks off to the tune of uh, the song Green Door, which is like, Midnight, everything camps quiet, moonlight, tonight's the night for a riot. <laughs> um, and there's then the Beautiful. burning, the burning and the fighting is underway as Hoagie tas uh, takes Sam and Kid to the gate. Um, and of course, things immediately go wrong with the with the official uh, get with the official plan of theirs. So instead, they just sort of kill these guards and move on. Essentially, I, it's it's the most Robo Hunter thing to happen in Robo Hunter for probably like four progs. I mean, I'd he say just that shoot some robots. Yeah, like Sam, Sam and and, and Kid definitely knew that Hoagie was going to mess up, so they brought guns along with everything else for this plan. You know, <laughs> all I have to say is, how did they get them? Oh, it doesn't matter. They just have them now. And of course, the riot or something. You Listen, know, man. I well, that's the th okay. So, <clears throat> in some situations, yeah, explaining something is important. Mm -hmm. In a comedy, yeah, no, you can just have it. Yeah, it's fine. Fair enough. Um, so anyhow, when, so when they, someone <laughs> like Stogie decides to say uh, passes, we don't need no stinking passes. And then in the next shot, you're shooting robots. I'm pretty okay with that. Super fair. So they all take those guards out. They the four quickly steal over to a hover truck. 
hotwire it, and head out. There's only one way to get Mod Droid out out of being Prime Droid, Fox. Oh, this is the best. You've got to resurrect a zombie corpse? Yeah, from the National Robotorium. they got to resurrect Iron Aggie. Um, she's... Uh, followed by... So, uh, uh, prior to her, of course, was Jim Droid. Don't understand that. And then other things that I can't read. One is Jim Calla. I feel like it's a previous, like, freaking Prime Minister, dude. Um, like, comment, subscribe if you understand the Jim Calla joke. They abs- I feel like all these Brits absolutely will. I know I get the second one, which is hard to read, but it says Robo Pitt the Elder, which is always also a British uh, Prime Minister, which ah. I mo- which I mostly know from a Simpsons episode where uh, one of the characters gets in a drunken, where two characters get in a drunken fight as to England's best Prime Minister between Pitt the Elder and, Lo- and Lord Palmerstein. But anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Luckily, Sam is so good at fixing robots that he's I, well, able to fix say, dead let's ones. Let's say like seventy-five percent good, given. The okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So he's able to bring bring um, Iron Aggie back to life. Not before she comes back with a, a pinch, a punch, first of the month, which is like you know a British punching kid punching kids game. You know what I mean? No, I have no idea what you're talking well, about. Well, you know, okay, so in America, we have, like, sl- like a slug buggy, right? Where you see, like, a Volkswagen Beetle, and you can say, like, red punch buggy, yes, no punchbacks. Yes, an American tradition, and it should be upheld for all of time. And it's just a way to punch people, to punch your friends in the face, or arm, well, or, or okay, whatever. so first off, I don't know where you're from. We just punched them in the shoulder. Because yeah, shoulder. Because to damage the goods. That's what I mean. But, um, but so, okay. <laughs> p- pinch a punch is the same thing, but basically, on the first of the month when you're in school, you just gr- go r- run up to everybody and pinch them and punch them, and then you say, white rabbit, no returns, and they can't do it back to you. So it's just sort of a, uh, oh, dude, that's a thing kids do. Rules. Yeah, listen. I might actually just do that at work now. If you know British people, I'm sure some of them will do it. I, I, I looked it up, and there's a whole bunch of article of a uh, of like sort of like local like English like uh, newspapers doing lifestyle stories that are like, what the hell does this mean anyway? <laughs> MF, I know like two British people at work, and you. Both of them are not listening immediately. I know one of them is. Yeah, they won't. And they I won't hear them. this. They won't hear this before no, the exactly. first of the next month. So you can get exactly. them. <laughs> so I, I'm going to do this, and if they don't understand what I'm saying, clearly all of uh, Britannia, Royal Britannia, should shun them. The Queen <laughs> will shun you. Whoa! I'm talking to you, Ian. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Strangely personal now. (laughs) Anyhow, (laughs) once Iron Haggy's alive, she quickly jumps into action, uh, bursts through the halls of government, and confronts Modroid, and and she kind of dresses him down and kicks the crap out of him to the tune of an old-fashioned girl. It's pretty good. I'm an old-fashioned droid with an old-fashioned mind programmed to love and cherish the whole of humankind. When a droid of mine goes wrong and starts singing his own song, he gets an old-fashioned bunch of fives with a punch to the head. She she also gives him a Boston Crab, which I appreciate. Um, Anyhow... (laughs) 
Um, all is put right, and there's partying in the street to the tune of Happy Days Are Here Again. Iron Aggie la- lauds Sam publicly and asks him what they can do to repay him for his efforts. And, and he, this time it's not money. It's he demands... Not he demands an, an immediate end to the so, to the to a song year, and is is is, is and it's agreed to, <laughs> not without some contempt, but definitely immediately it all stops. Only to him singing about well, how it end, it'll it'll end at midnight, so it's running a little bit more. But oh, yeah, that's right. So Sam heads out with a coda to this story to the tune of my way, my way, you know. First Sir Oswald ruled, he had me fooled, it is sly way, but in the end, I won my friends, and I did it my way. RoboHunter returns in Prog 312. <laughs> oh man, we gotta wait like uh, like two months. No, it'll be at the end of next episode. Okay. But yeah, man, Okay. <laughs> You know, this this story kind of dragged towards the end of just there yeah. being just so many songs and so much stuff. And then, you know, just a quick capper and stuff like that. I did kind of reach a point where I was like, okay, we got it. You know, especially just because all the songs are so old and weird. Um, so. <laughs> and then, like. We're young and virile. I mean, these songs were old and weird, like, in 1983, though. You know? Like, Teddy Bear's Picnic, yeah. that's an old-ass song. <laughs> like, but a lot of these songs are real I, old. I feel like your your audience is going to know. Like, for mm-hmm. me, it, it got points in terms of creativity. But yeah. I agree with you is that uh, it's like a musical that went on too long, right? Yeah. Where you're like, it, every... Th- two or three minutes doesn't have to be a completely new song. We it's definitely want, like some yeah. chatter in between. It basically, yeah, there's basically like, you know, if it's a five page story, there's a song every other page essentially. And I'll say also that like, you know, I've started hearing from people who are talking about this storyline. A lot of them didn't know a lot of these songs when they, when it came out. So in solidarity to all of you. So it's like, I yeah, and you and Conrad and all, uh, it's like uh, it's it's like dad's writing a comic book very much like a dad writing a comic book and, and a weird like 1980s dad too not even a, a hip oh, cool dad of like today know. tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree oh my because god that was such a snappy <laughs> melody back in the first world war you gotta wow. be fucking kidding me well speaking the of folks the only reason i know <laughs> that <laughs> Speaking of people coming home, Fox. <laughs> oh, I, I love you. It's thrill to Harry Twitty on my rock. Oh, so beautiful. I love you, Harry. Hashtag feel good. Mary. Hashtag Mary Harry. I feel like that's a TV show that was for the uh, for the prince. It was like a weird reality. It was a weird trick reality show. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it was. They had like You're, a fake you, Prince Harry. Harry. <laughs> Harry, you have to marry someone for twenty years. Who will it be? And who will you? And then you'll live on a space prison. But so oh, sc- God, full of full of uh, uh, eligible uh, bachelors and bachelorettes. Because hey, Harry, we're not judging. I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about British royalty, so yeah. I apologize he's, if I'm. He's like engaged that Meghan Markle lady, dude. Like, don't, don't tempt him. That's not cool. He's, um, sorry, I heard he's engaged to Angela Merkel. Yeah, whoa, no, that's not true. Um, yeah, because she's married. 
That's true. Yeah. Anyhow, enough of this talk about Royals 40 years <laughs> from when the, we, these comics take place. Um, Let's talk about the super future when they're everyone's yeah. dead. Yeah, script about Jerry Finley Day, art about Alan Davis, letter about Tony Jacob. Harry Twenty's reaching its, clim- its climax as well. Um, uh, as the riot rages inside the High Rock, on the outside, Harry's trying to sneak around the guards. No, Harry, Harry Twenty's not just sneaking around the guards. He's dodging a point-blank shot from a super laser. Well, that's what I'm saying. He finds his way blocked by 21 Toady manning the orbital defenses shooting at him. Um, luckily, though... Harry is fast enough to both dodge the initial shots and then get inside the shadow of the gun so that he can't be hit and then make his way inside. Oh, oh but ah, snap. I guess 21 Toady is like later and also peace. I'm out. There seem like to be old, old, several ways to get into the prison from <laughs> that one turret. but um, Impenetrable, MF. Dude, you can't just get in, but also you can just... Get I mean, I feel, I feel like, yeah. Power. Well, listen, man. When you have your, when, when your base is on an island, you don't need a ton of walls, right? Because it's just all like, you need is a strength check and a willpower check, and realistically, you can get it. Whoa. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> as World War, <laughs> Worldwide and his goons are uh, are shooting everybody down, but Harry Twenty confronts Toady on an eleva- on the elevator up to where everybody is. And uh, makes him show him where, like, the heavy-duty riot guards are and stuff. Twenty gu- shoots them, and he commandeers a riot cannon himself and takes down the rest of the guards. Um, the numbers have riot taken... Riot cannon. I yeah, it's good. I just want that to sink... Hold on. I just want that to sink in for a minute. It's good. Um, yeah, this, this, <laughs> riot, this riot is 100% canonical. Definitely happened. <laughs> but, um... So the, so the numbers have taken the high rock in Compu Central... <laughs> Harry searches for Worldwise, but instead he finds an angry big red one who is about to kill him. But in, but instead, Word Worldwise, who is hiding inside these giant old ass supercomputer terminals, like pops you out. Actually, of, the setup the setup is actually in the panel before, by the way. Yeah, he pops out of like a panel and shoots uh, Red by accident, basically. <laughs> what a twist! Apparently, these computers are a bunch of false fronts and like tunnels for Worldwise to get out here. So basically, as the so, as the numbers so are secure, and a giant computer complex to be a series of tunnels. I yeah. just want everyone to one hundred percent. Listen, when you're super evil, you make con- contingencies. That's what I found. Um, but so yeah, so basically, the uh, the numbers are trying to secure this computer thing as Warden Worldwise is lockouting his way through his own prison, and he warns the numbers. <laughs> that the folks from Earth are sending riot craft to quell their little rebellion. Die Hard in the Space Prison. Lockout? Of course! Oh, I've been, I've been re- I reference Lockout in the start of Harry 20. Gotta listen to the end. It's specifically Die Hard in a Space Prison, buddy. Like, have, have you watched it's Lockout? It's on point, of course. Oh, you're beautiful. It's real good, man. Guy Pierce. It's pretty good. All futuristic yeah. and stuff. A bunch of evil criminal dudes. It's good. Anyhow, this riot craft from Earth, Fox... Um, oh, and they're coming up. They're yeah. going to get you. Harry, tw- uh, Harry gets 21 Toady to uh, ring up the penal board on Earth, who are a bunch of futuristic-looking dudes. Yeah, how does that go? <laughs> and, well, he says, like, hey, man, like, the High Rock's real corrupt. And, like, we don't want to, you know, we don't want violence. We want, like, an investigation and, like, prison reform and stuff. I.e., bring some people here. We're cool. We just think that these guys are not. 
And they're like, nah, I think instead we're gonna, you've killed every, you know, you've done enough bloodsheds, we're sending a bunch of uh, more slugs to beat the crap out of you. That's <laughs> worked out right. Yeah. So Harry has a plan, though. He sees that all the guns on the high rock can be focused into the main turret to give it extremely long range. I.e. a fucking Death Star cannon. Very you ripped it off. Very similar to that control be- dish beam thing on the, on the Death Star. Um, anyhow, so after he after Harry commandeers that turret from the Russian convict Thirty Nine Steps, which is named after the Alfred Hitchcock movie, he uh, uses the gun to damage the engines of several of the riot crafts, causing them causing them to turn back to Earth without actually killing anybody. I, I will say what I'm the most surprised at is, yes, he blew up the engines, but in the shot that we see where apparently people survive, fire is shooting out of the consoles at their face. Yeah, well, you know, it's whatever. That's not as bad as it used oh, to no, be the olden days, I guess. Just with mild burns. Yeah. So uh, in return for that, um, the penal board agrees to negotiate, but they only do so if the numbers send all the guards back down to Earth. Um, sure. In return, Let's nothing. send the racist, leather-wielding, yeah. mostly bald men you don't back want these down to earth. To you don't want these definitely racist. Yeah, you don't want these guards up here. Um, and and so that that seems to quell the board, and they're like, "All right, nothing more from Earth will be sent up against you." But uh, and, yeah, nothing more from Earth. Exactly. They do that pause in there too, and that means Warden Worldwise hiding inside God knows where. Um, cacklingly lets them in on the deal <laughs> that uh, they're keeping their wood, but they've dispatched a killer satellite depth charge-like thing into your orbit to kill you all! Ah, <laughs> uh, snap! Maybe you're totally fucked! <laughs> you'll burn in, burn in space, Harry 20! Um, anyhow... <laughs> Definitely gonna Nova you, motherfucker! Yeah, there's a lot going on here at this last comic. Uh, the killer set clearly can't be taken down by conventional weapons and worldwise is taunting them so uh, instead so they so the numbers try to find him in the consoles but instead trigger a bomb set to a tripwire and kills a bunch of ran- of a red shirts basically but that gives harry an idea they'll grab just all the junk lying around this prison including a whole bunch of spaceship fuel and world warden worldwise's hypno globe and make hey, just kind not? of a giant like barrier in space like a, a trip wire in space that'll set the bomb off before it can get to the high rock and you know what who better to hold the plot device as they shoot forward with the other plot device than uh harry 20 himself yeah harry and goes certainly out certainly plot device one won't come into play later with plot device two. Yeah, well, you know, Harry in a red shirt, they fly out to set it all up. Um, but and as the sat approaches, Warden <laughs> Worldwise um, shows uh, grabs a space like pickaxe, dons a space suit. Oh, it's just a regular pickaxe. If I'm going to, hey, uh, you know, what if you if you use if you use it in space, it's a space pickaxe. All right, <laughs> you know what? I redact my complete. Jesus, it's a space pickaxe. Yeah, pickaxe come on, buddy. <laughs> Anyhow, he goes to attack. He goes to attack Harry Twenty with it. Harry dodges once again, and the pickaxe goes right into the Hypno Globe, which kills uh, Ward World or electrocutes Ward Worldwise. Harry jumps back to shit. Jumps back to the satellite. The set to the uh, to the high rock. The satellite hits the trip wire in space and explodes. But what happens to the high rock? Well, the high rock manages to survive, and in fact, has been blasted out of Earth orbit. 
Luckily, it turns out there's enough food and supplies aboard the High Rock for 20 years, which is more than enough time for all these, for this just sort of, you know, nest of, I guess, just mo- like combination of like actual well, murderers and criminals and like political <laughs> prisoners to so some a hive of scum and villainy. Right. To drift their a way. hive. Oh, yeah, to, to, exactly. To drift their way to the rebel colonies on Mars. Who knows? Maybe they'll bump into uh, the visible tech. man on the way. <laughs> Anyhow, the end, Harry Twenty. <laughs> oh wait, is they're it, not. Is it the end? The end? They're not numbers anymore. He's not Harry Twenty. He's just Harry Thompson. But yeah, that's it. That's the end of Harry Twenty. Um, okay, so I just want to lay this down right now. There is no way mm-hmm. that this was not a D&D campaign <laughs> that some of these dudes played. Number one, evidence number one. The High Rock is just a, a kind of shitty D20. Okay, Realistically, I mean, it is. It's actually ripped off from a uh, from like Don't some other science fiction me. magazine from a couple years ago. Son of a bitch. <laughs> of course it is. Of course. Look, the, I don't. I'm I'm Fox News. I don't care about the facts. Okay, come on, let's it's let's go with this metaphor, buddy. <laughs> it's inference. The the evil guy does right. all the evil things, right? You want him to survive up until a point mm. in 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 which the players are tested, right? Like <laughs> one of the one of the dudes from direction from the DM is actually a fucking robot, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck. One of the dudes dies, which sets in the reality of like, hey, bro, you got to recreate your character because, yeah, you didn't survive. There's a dude who finally survives and the antagonist that he once thought this NPC, hey, he's an antagonist, dies. Mm -hmm. Motherfucking red. And then finally, hey, everything's okay. And your free loot is that I guess you're shooting towards Mars for 20 years, which I guess. What the fuck ever? This may be the best D and D campaign I've ever read. It's certainly possible. I mean, I gotta I, say. I mean, I know it's not. I know it's right. not. But it, it, like, whoever's out there that runs a D and D campaign, prison think, campaigns are fun. Yeah, think about a space you prison could campaign. Directly steal from this, and it could be great. Yeah. I'll say for me, um, I really like Harry Twenty Two. I think it's, or also, I think it's real fun. I think it's sort of hurt by the fact that they do kind of kill or turn into a robot all the characters by the end. Yeah. So that, yeah. like, it's like it's just sort of Harry Twenty and Twenty One Toady and like some red shirts and stuff. Like, it would have been really great if there had been a way to like have Genghis survive to the end. Um, mm-hmm. Even if he was just in like a coma or something, or I don't know, or like um, if there was a real Ben ninety that was trapped someplace or something like that. So um, I, I guess what you're saying is that you don't want them to Dan Dare because the dude has weird eyebrows and he's white. Uh, you don't want them to Dan Dare a situation. Kind, yeah, the you way that want them to that all the elevate themselves. yeah that 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 all of our our favorite characters from this from the uh, from the Lost World sort of died towards the end of Dan Dare. Yeah, I mean it's just sort Boom. of especially for this one, which ends with what should be a hopeful moment of like them sort of traveling, you know, wandering the spaceways mm-hmm. and stuff. I'd rather let that Harry be wandering with some of the characters I've, I've come to like in the course of the uh, of the comic. 
as opposed to just a bunch of randoms and this one snitch character. You know what I well, mean? Well, but that's but that that was the fun thing was that there were basically yeah, I what, mean four or five characters who were definitely you were against, and there were three characters who were like oh. And they're all cellmates, and, yeah, and they're all I mean, kind of different in their own right. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like the drama that comes from them dying, but it's still just, it, you know, it makes sure. the ending feel a little bit more of a bummer just because, you know, it means exactly. that we sort of... It just means that, that we've kind of run out of characters, you know? And so it's sort of like <laughs> so Harry wins. the one in the toad. But I mean, but especially sort of towards the end where there's a bunch of characters stuff like them flying out into space and doing stuff or like securing parts of the prison or whatever. Um, like, you know, a bunch of new characters show up to do that. And I'm just not as connected with them as I am with well, the guys right. who I know who died, basically. I would have assumed Genghis dying in the blast. Yeah. You know? I mean, that would have been and, cool. And, yeah. Or, 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 uh, uh, what's his name? Number 90. Just yeah. Like, doing a thing that was like, he, he don't worry about it. You just keep doing this thing. And that motivating the character. Yeah. I mean, it's something like, like, like I don't know how you do it super different and still tell this ben. story. That's still yeah. as, uh, as like tightly packed and like spare as it is right now. But yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's just like, if, if I could, you know, if I had to, you know, for the compliment sandwich of, um, of Harry 20, I'd say that sort it's of so amazing. losing characters at the end is sort of the criticism in the middle <laughs> with the rest of the stuff on the, you know, on, on either side of it. But that's basically it. That's what I'm trying to say. It It, it is a fantastic comic. If, if you can get your hands on this, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, tight. It's no fat. It's no frills. It's just great escape stuff. And yeah. then the end is by the way, we're jettisoned into space. Right. Yeah, there's a graphic What'll novel happen? out there. Worth checking out for sure. And then uh, I should say also, um, yeah, this is basically the end of Harry 20. He'll have a quick cameo in Armored Gideon in the 90s, but that's just sort of him being in the background. Um, mm. You know, Jerry Finley Day is, of course, writing um, Robo Hunter. And um, Alan Davis will be back. Will be back to an art for Dr. and Quinch, which will first, which we'll finally learn about in about ten procs. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, don't stress about it, buddy. Um, I'm not. But spe- <laughs> speaking yeah. of uh, of uh, prisoners in space, Fox, <laughs> it's Thrill Three, Judge Dread. A uh, script robot for Judge Dredd, John Wagner, and Alan Grant as T.B. Grover. Art robot Steve Dillon and Carlos Escara. Letting robot that Tom Frame. T T T T Tom Tom Frame. He's great. And now, oh, he's thrown up an energy shield. It's the Trapper Hag. All our bullets are ricocheting. What the f's going on? He's got a sweet bandolier. That's right. Yeah, Steve Dillon is back on Dredd. Oh, the last time we saw him drawn was uh, during Block Mania. Mm-hmm. And this is the start of him being part of just sort of the regular dread rotation for the next couple hundred progs, basically. Hooray! Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. So anyhow, a bunch of retired criminals are rehashing old jobs, including the Cygnus 11 job, which they were never caught for. But suddenly, a big green dude with space dogs teleports in. He's Trapper Hag. <laughs> Not a great situation, IMO. Mm-mm. He's a space bounty hunter, and he's after these crooks. Uh, 
Two of the perps, he catches one and, and, and the other two perps uh, run. One of them runs by a guy and says, Gangway, stoop, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> dude, I, I'll tell you what, uh, this trapper hag, more than anything else, it's dudes that run away so that he can sick the hounds on him with his. That's sick, right. I guess, hound whip? Yeah, something. Yeah, so Trapper Animal had kind of cruelty, man. Yeah, he's a big green, like kind of Chewbacca looking guy. I want to say correct. He gets With a great lo- hair. But he gets a lot of his DNA from Chewbacca. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, but so, and he's got these uh, crazy space like uh, Doberman slash Rottweiler kind of dogs. But so mm-hmm. he sends them after his guys after the, after his bounties. One of them is caught is quickly caught by the hag by hags space hounds. Some citizens call in the law, and Dread is responding. He and a team of judges arrive to find Trapper Hag claiming his third bounty. This time by cutting the dude's head off with his hand axe. And to be honest, like his justification is justice, but is justice really cutting a dude's head off? Well, I mean, he all, you know, it's the bounty that's wanted dead or alive, then I guess. But honestly, like, you know, you gotta, you can't just, you know, you, you, you can't just show up in town, say I'm a bounty hunter and do whatever. Like, there's gotta be, you know, you gotta like check, you know, with law enforcement and do all that stuff. I mean, Johnny Alpha does that, you know, it's a different thing. We're, we're gonna get into this towards the end of this. And like in, sometimes in terms of like the weird discrepancies here yeah. that I feel. And exist. sometimes the local law is like, nah, you can't hunt bounties in our like territory or something. Or you gotta do it like with a police officer. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. So here's my thing, Conrad. Okay, yeah, we're sorry. Gonna get into this. Yeah. No, 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 because you're absolutely right. So this dude's coming in. Yeah. With his energy shield and his fucking bracelet that makes magic happen. Mm-hmm. And and he's like, listen, man, these guys, whether they be the grandchildren or the right now people who did a thing, mm-hmm. this this planet wants justice, right? And I'm and I'm here to do that for pay. Let's keep that in mind for money. Yeah. Right. Or or maybe because he's just a sociopath. I'll let the reader decide. But dude disregards completely this planet for some unknown reason. He doesn't say why, but he will uphold all of these other planets reasons for imprisoning or maybe, I guess, well, yeah. heading a dude. I feel which, like he, yeah, which he just seems super counterintuitive to the whole point of like, hey, I'm working within the law and this is justice. Because I feel like it's, you know, it, it, it's uh, bounties. You know, he's not like a cop. He just like picked up a bunch of bounties. He picked up all the bounties for everybody on Earth. And now he's so sort of rolled in and is cl- and is collecting all the people for it, you know? So so exactly that. But bounty hunters have to not just live within the law of like, let's say, the federal government says in, in the United States of America, of course, I'm, I'm bringing this well, in. Now we've if, got if some. You just say the federal government wants this dude brought in. If you're not complying with the state and county of where you're going in and doing that, they're like, nah, you can't. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, no, you can't. Yeah, well, this is, you know, this is like some colonialism stuff where it's like a uh, a guy from nowadays, like, you know, it's like if uh, some, it's like some rich, like, Western dude showing up in a country that doesn't have as much technology and using, like, his crazy drones and stuff. Like, listen. Exactly. <laughs> There's... There's a this is a story played out. It's just that like usually an American is not on this side of it. That's what I'm trying to say. Anyhow, usually a dude doesn't just throw pills on the ground and then kill three dudes and then also concuss 
also three yeah. judges. Which indeed is what happens. Six judges try to take on the trapper hag, uh, but uh, he's not very respectful of law enforcement. The judges open fire. The hag. Weird. Trapper Hag activates a force field and then tosses a bomb from his bandolier at the judges. It turns out to be a grenade, which again kills three judges and knocks the other three out, including Judge Dredd. Using magical plot device, bro is like, I don't care. Uh, Trapper Hag also stands on Judge Dredd's chest and insults him as being like a primitive local law enforcement. This is a mistake. (laughs) This is a mistake. Uh, More judges arrive and it looks like, uh, yeah... Mojas arrive and sort of help everybody out, and Dredd is pissed. Uh, it's like, this dude teleported away, we're gonna deal with this. Also, I don't need medical attention? Why would you think I need I'm, medical attention? You think I'm taking my helmet off for these doctors? Fuck you, buddy. <laughs> I didn't get concussed. <laughs> I didn't so, see a reason for you to yeah. look at my face. Despite being injured, uh, Dread demands to be the one to arrest Trapper Hag, and he's soon aboard a spacecraft to the destination of the teleport beam. As they... What I always really respect about a uh, chief judge mm-hmm. is their ability to allow Judge Dredd anything he wants. <laughs> I mean, listen, I feel like if there's one thing Hilda Magruder is aware of, it's that Judge Dredd has personally killed the last two chief judges. <laughs> <laughs> Actually? Oh my god. I didn't right. even... Hold on. Well, no, I mean... I, I mean, sorry. process that... No, that's really, really true. And uh, I mean, politically motivated, uh, she is not, I would argue. I would argue Hilda McCruder is not politically motivated. She was motivated through like, hey, we got to fix this situation. And everyone was like, you should yeah. be chief judge. And she's like, all right. But it's, like, su- it's stuff to it's keep in the back of your mind. It, yeah. <laughs> like, this guy is definitely a king murderer. But well, you, I mean, don't, yeah. you don't keep keep the king murderer abscond to somewhere else you keep him close to handy give him what he needs yeah keep him happy i'll mention also for the record fergie killed judge judge cow but because judge dread got him close enough anyhow um so as yeah as dread is flying out um we see the trapper head confront and apprehend a guy whose grandfather committed crimes on the planet einschlag where guilt extends three generations which Einschlag, get with the times, man. Like you can't it's just something. you can't just do a thing to a, a person's grandchild. Like, what does that even make sense of? What? Maybe they got weird. Um, like maybe they got a weird biology where that stuff makes more sense. But anyhow, um, Dread climbs aboard, a, climbs into a limpet pod, which is launched to Trapper's ship where it cuts a hole in the um, hull and allows Dread to enter into Trapper Hag's ship. Drock! And let me tell you what he sees. I mean, space stuff, I guess. Yeah. That's, what I would, that's what I would say. It's like some space eggs. Yeah, he finds himself in Hag's holding cells, which are basically just full of uh, crazy alien monsters inside of big glass globes, including the two perps the two perps caught in Prog Theo 5 but it's also got the hag's hounds which attack him the uh, extra hounds it's not yeah. his hounds it's like extra hounds he's got a bunch of hounds um dread fights them off but it's all for naught when trapper hag arrives with his quarry from last prog and appears in the room Unable to penetrate his force field, Dredd surrenders to Hag and t- tells the bounty hunter to cut off his head. 
Never trust Judge Dredd when he decides to bow at least even a little bit. Yeah. Because he's going to punch you. Yeah. Trapper Hag agrees. But as he goes to swing his axe, Dredd pulls his boot knife out and cuts off Trapper Hag's hand. Nothing quite like a good boot knife to make you say, man, I really wish I wasn't a, uh, a complete fool. Mm-hmm. He, 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 as well as the hand, he also cuts off basically Trapper Hag's arm, um, which includes the force field control. Ah, God, I guess I can't press magic buttons to make plot device work. Yeah, well, I, well I'm now... I'm saying that now. Now Dredd can make that plot device work by, uh, now it's just him and the, and the Trapper Hag. I keep calling him The Hag, but his name is just Trapper Hag. Um, the that's Hag his name. That's his name. It's not his title. It's his title. Exactly. Yeah. But um, so Dread uh, was able to activate the force field so the dogs can't stop him from kicking the crap out of Trapper Hag. Eventually, he uh, surrenders and Dread puts the cuffs on him. You're under arrest. Um, don't be a butt face. Yeah. I guess this is, this is my big takeaway from this. Just a fun alien fighting story um, and a real good like multi- Prague story for Steve Dillon. You get a chance to kind of see how he draws a lot of the main Dread, char- mm-hmm. Dread characters, including Dread himself, and I think he's pretty good. I'm looking forward to a bunch of his stuff, you know, especially with the ones that involve werewolves, which I just love. <laughs> I just love teasing. Anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, after being burned down during the Apocalypse War, the Grand Hall of Justice is finally rebuilt. Fox. Oh, and it's. Pretty beautiful. It's yeah. got a big eagle on it. It's got a monorail that I guess just goes around the top. Mm-hmm. But then it blows up again! Why would <laughs> someone do this after the, such a beautiful inauguration? Yeah, it's the work of the prankster. A jerk who has been out here playing practical jokes in the city. He's been jamming up traffic, clogging an entire sector's sewage systems, which is gross, and uh, bombing people with itching powder, which is like some supervillain shit, basically. <laughs> well, we certainly wouldn't want to like go to an elaborate amount of, uh, of text length to say that this man leaves riddles and clues every time he yeah. does a, a nefarious act. That's because he so doesn't. He's infringe. untraceable. <laughs> exactly. So that we don't infringe on certain uh, rights. Indeed. However, we can say that this man does things as yeah. a prank. But since he doesn't leave clues of, uh, of riddles that are easy to solve, um, instead, Dredd has to do it a more... <laughs> yeah, a more... Ele- a more elaborate um, way to catch this guy, which is um, he basically just sets up like he's basically just makes it a honeypot. Um, he says the Hall of Justice will be rebuilt quickly with a grand opening April 1st, and that prankster better not do nothing about it. Um, it's it's <laughs> an so obvious perfect. trap. Yeah, it's an obvious trap, and the but prankster's robo-butler so says sweet. as much. <laughs> but one so sweet that someone named the prankster just can't help themselves. Has to do it, yeah. The prankster turns out to be like this bored rich guy, basically. So, he decides to take the bait on the night of March 31st. Uh, Judge Dredd is called away because the prankster has been uh, captured, but that turns out to be a fake message sent by the prankster, who puts on a fake Dredd costume, complete with fake chin, and goes to destroy the Hall of Justice. Uh, Dread himself soon realizes the deception, and there are two Dreads bearing down in the Hall of Justice. 
Luckily, the prankster's a coward and quickly falls to dread after getting his fake chin thwacked. Because it's got like an elastic band around the back of his head, basically. Pulls back. No one wants to get punched by dread. I I looked at the knuckles on that glove and. uh, Yeah, he's got crazy. Crazy, like Mick McMahon based, like giant hands and giant feet. It's bad times. Um, but so, yeah, the prankster was just a rich guy who was bored. Hopefully, he'll find his 20 year sentence more interesting. Next time, Starborn Thing. It's like the Batted Man, but more tame. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll get, we'll get to the Dread Batman later on. Oh, man. How are we going to do that? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> Really? Yeah, this is a big crossover. It's crazy. But it's not in the actual progs. It's in like a special edition. So I'm going to have to figure out how we're going to cover that. Um, With magic. Of course. Podcast magic. And speaking mm-hmm. of podcast magic, Fox. Oh, it's no. Non thrills, covers, nerve setter, and pop culture robots. So. Just going through all these different thrill things. Uh, Prog 305, you're under arrest, creep. The Trapper Hag is in town with the first C. Dylan Dread cover. It's nice, yeah. It's a half-size nerve center with an ad for a giant maze in this week's Whoopi taking up the other half. (laughs) 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 Letters discuss Rogue's habit of burying himself in the dirt and then Mother's habits of (laughs) sitting on people's progs. (laughs) What, really? Yeah. Like, my mom sits on me prog and ruins it. You gotta tell her to stop. Um, That's not acceptable. And then there's a cute robot drawn by Andrew Housen of Siston. Mid-prog, we're getting to the end of the, uh, of the micro-prog with, with just some yeah. flesh and Mach 1 pages. There's also a contest for what 10 games should make up in television's Electro-Olympic Championship with prizes to be won, including a trip to Disney World. E.T. Nah, that's, this, that, that's Atari, not television. This prog ends with Kevo, with a Kev O'Neill pinup of a hu- of a herd of Blitz Spears being culled by some jerk Terminators. So beautiful. It's real nice. Uh, prog 306, get this welded pal! Uh, Eve Gibson gives us a Robo Hunter cover that I would say is not unlike that famous action cover that got action banned, if you ask me. It's got kind of a similar look. Of just Correct. a guy, a guy standing over a cop kind of thing, <laughs> or a possible mm-hmm. cop. Um, in the in the nerve center, Tharg the Tron mentioned that he was on a TV show called The Tube, which also went to the 2080 offices and stuff. Is that um, a thing? I guess so. I tried to um, look it up online and I couldn't find it anywhere. Or like all the things of like 2000 AD, the tube gets me like a lot of like nemesis coverage and like various like YouTube things, basically. <laughs> like, comment, subscribe if you have a link to uh, 2000 AD's the tube interaction. Yeah, their, their thing, their uh, segment on the tube, I guess I'd be interested to see it. Um, Absolutely. And then the letters have a lot of. Um, just mentions of people having seen this TV show, basically. Great. <laughs> and you there's mean not us. <laughs> yeah. And there's a Hoagie 20 picture. He was framed. Yep. And I think that's kind of funny. Uh, Mid prog, the micro prog has Dan Dare and flesh action. And there's a pretty good ad for the next prog with the, uh, with the end of Harry 20 that says number crunching. And then another full page, fully terrifying Weedabix ad. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> In Prog 307, Steve Dillon's back as Dread confronts the Hag's Beasts. Or Hag's Beasts Hooray! again. Hooray! Yeah. I'd like 
punching dogs, I Just guess. a lot of dog fighting. In the nerve center, Thog the Plastic Cup announces the end of the Robo Hunter and Harry 20 stories, and then gets us uh, hyped up for both the start of Skiz and 308, and the countdown to Prague 312, which is the quote-unquote sixth anniversary Prague. <laughs> well, because well. I mean, it's divisible by 52. Honestly, the six, like 305 is really the uh, sixth, the sixth birthday Prague. That's when it, that's sort of the last month of February Prague. Um, this month is a full page ad for Dark Crystal, which is pretty awesome. Yes, I fucking love the Dark Crystal, and if you don't like Dark Crystal, we're probably not going to be friends. I think there's room for everybody for everything. I think it's a good movie too, but you know, it's weird. It's a weird movie. I I know that you like this movie. Yeah, listen. Anyhow, um, Mid Prog (laughs) Rojaws has the winner of the Intellivision uh, contest from 287. And we end with the final page of the, mi- of the micro prog with a glorious color splash page for Dan Dare by Bellardinelli. No one hates Bellardinelli's Dan Dare art, period. There's yeah. no way you can hate it. Yeah, the art is good. Other elements. <laughs> the end. That's the um, end of the statement. Yeah. Prog 308. This is Skiz. A new thrill arrives on the scene. Mm-hmm. New Prague alert! Yeah, the uh, the, the covers by by Jim Bakey in the Nerve Center. Danger Thark, like the mouse, introduces us to Skiz Dude. and this new Thark story. Yeah. Okay, so I used to watch Danger Mouse as a kid. Even in the U.S., there was like this this special channel just for cartoons uh, in my area because we didn't have cable and we didn't have satellite. Whoa! And here are the things that I know about Danger Mouse. Mm-hmm. He lives in a post box, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of cast iron grenades that go on in that show. Whoa. I mostly remember it being part of a thing with also uh, Count Ducula, I feel like, which are all sort of British. I have never maybe? seen Count Ducula in my life, but I know of him tertiarily. Yeah, live it up, buddy. Um, <laughs> anyhow... Um, Readers have, for this prog, have sent in the highest non-plane altitudes they've read 2000 AD from. A lot of various sort of uh, British what? mountains and stuff. Yeah. That's great. Like Mount Blanc and etc. Etc. There's also an anti-thrill sucker poem, which is appropriate because of the thrill sucker story starting this prog. A no comment. Re- yeah. A, and a reader suggests that kids write in with the perfect crime to be done against Judge Dredd, and Thark says no because he doesn't want to encourage kids being criminals. <laughs> oh my god, it's almost as though these comics are not meant to present crime in a positive fashion. Maybe. Uh, mid-pro... <laughs> Other than taking over a prison and maybe killing everybody, or perhaps being a super... Agent yeah. and killing all of your. You don't want to be too. It's not. Ideologies. Yeah, you don't want to be too too uh, uh, steady about that. But um, Midprog, there's a space watch, which is a list of upcoming space shuttle launches for the rest of the year. We also get a D Mill Cinefax, which uh, breaks the name change from Revenge of the Jedi to Return of the Jedi. Shows us the new Supergirl and mentions that ET is breaking box office records just as a skiz begins. There's. Also, the results of the E.T. Viewmaster from, uh, contest from Prague 294 and reader art of an E.T. Tharg. Uh, Which, awkward as though it may seem, creative and mm-hmm. actually drawn by hand. Yeah, pretty decent. Uh, this comic ends with a pinup of Skiz. He's stranded in a strange world. 
I am reserving all judgment for the end. Yeah, we gotta talk. You know, we gotta get deeper into Skiz, I think. Oh, no, we've gotta talk. But first, 304 Rogue Trooper. So, script robot for Rogue Trooper, Jerry Finley Day, art robot Cam Kennedy, letter robot Bill Nuttall. Do you know what I learned this episode, Conrad? Mm. If I just put spikes all over my armor, I win all land-based battles. I think it you definitely do if you're fighting guys where the smallest puncture causes them to instantly die, you know? I.e. Thorn's aura is the best aura. I mean, if you're on New Earth, yeah, definitely. All I'm saying is Thorn's just generally better. Return damage, dog. <laughs> Anyhow, um, it's the Frank Sector in Fort Nero. The Nords have infiltrated under the guise of a returning Emperor Napoleon. Up until they beheaded, dude. Yeah, well, okay, so first of all, exhausted Almost from running to the sector. Yeah, uh, but he has no weapons. Rogue sends his spike-covered rogue runner buddies to start to stop the assault as Napoleon goes to knight the Frank commander, but instead cuts off his head with his last sword, which is a symbol signal for the assault to begin. Ah, snap! Everybody's in shock, but also there's Nord Troopers. Luckily, uh, while everybody else is stunned, the Rogue Runners plow through the Nord Old Guard, destroying their suits and exposing them to New Earth air, which kills them instantly. Uh, Which, I will note, is currently only two robots. Roger and Robespierre. Yeah, absolutely. This is important. There's only two. Robespierre, yes. Um... So the fight begins in earnest, and you see Rogue, he doesn't have any weapons or anything like that, just ripping open dude's suits and stuff. He's punching them and, like, ripping out their respirators, basically. He gets confronted by the fake Emperor, but the hated Corsican is shot before he can attack Rogue. But who fired that shot? Buddy, it's Gunner. Aw, hell yeah. Take me off this wall and let's go shooting some Nords, bro. Yeah, GI and Rifle are reunited and it's time to fight off these anti-Republican Nord invaders. (laughs) Why the hell not? Let's just shoot some dudes, man. That's what I was born to do. Yeah, Rogue, the Robes, and the Franks are... uh, are able to quickly take down the old guard, and without those infiltrators, they can easily push back the Norton attackers. So, could this victory bring the Franks back to their senses? <laughs> no way, dog. They're strapping guillotines to the back of Rogue Runner Robes. Um, Rogue asks for help with the other sectors because the Norts are probably going to attack there too. And the Franks are like, nah. No way, they're isolationists, buddy. They do, however, agree to let Rogue take all the Robe Runners with him. And after a day of training and applying spikes to their chassis, Rogue, Gunner, and the Robes, including the two guillotine guys, head off to the Limey Sector. And not a moment too soon, as it appears it's the North's next target. I.e., robots once again become the highest contributor in terms of freedom. To all of human cause. Yeah, liberty, uh, uh, fraternity, beep, boop, beep. Uh, (laughs) I would have said autonomy, but we're good. Whoa, yeah, whatever. Um, It's a peaceful evening at the Limey family holiday camp. The vid show is the two Rotkins. Yeah, it's it's a reference to the two Ronnies, I believe, which is a TV show. Um, Yeah, you don't know. And uh, the Norts are tunneling their way under the walls into the camp. Rogue and his rogue buddies bump into some limeys going for a midnight feast, when suddenly the ground starts to cave in, and it's the Nord Drillbots! 
But the worst case scenario is that they're drilling and then they just drop a bunch of Rob bots into there and they're yeah. like, oh, we're just going to cut your suits. And yeah, they're like, the, oh, fuck, maybe we shouldn't have done this. The ground gives way and uh, the Rogue Runner Rog, Rog Air falls through the ground and basically just apparently has fallen in there and like killed a dozen dudes <laughs> instantly, basically. Which I'll say, hey, hats off to you, man. Right oh, Ah, oh, that's good. Cause speaking of which, the hunter, the hunter crew shows up and they save Rogue, uh, uh, uh Roger and they give Rogue Helm back. All right. Oh, <laughs> snap hat, Joe. Hats off indeed. <laughs> but so it's pretty easy once they realize the attacks are coming in for them to collapse the tunnels and kill all these Norts invaders. So the Lime, so the Lime East sector is safe. So that uh, Rogue and the Robes are able to head out to the ROM and Scan sectors, just as the boys at the ROM sector see a carnival full of dark-eyed dolls and their uh, dark-eyed tanks, I'd imagine. This is kind of my favorite one of them. It's just a bunch of ladies in sexy, like, atmosphere control suits. Like, they got butts. That's what I'm trying to say. On tank. <laughs> Cannon. Yeah, they then and they're rolling in on what are obviously tanks with flowers draped on them, and and the Romeos are like, "Whoa, look, check out those gams!" All right, hey, <laughs> check out those guns, you know what I mean? Hey, Whoa, hey, hey, how many <laughs> how many millimeters are in that cannon? Oh, <laughs> so Rogue tries to start back, but the Romeos are reluctant to shoot ladies. Luckily, the girl soldiers of the scan sector feel no such compunction. And, uh, and suddenly are slightly spurned from the yeah. fact that these Romeos. Yeah, they're fickle. Now they'll look at just about anything. Yeah, so now the uh, now the scan ladies, uh, girl soldiers have showed up with their lazookas, and they're killing these man-stealing hussies. Man-stealing brazen hussies. <laughs> but they're not going to stick around. They ain't going to be no hoe. Well, yeah, you know, or, you know, they aren't interested in these scrubs from the rom from the, uh, from the rom sector. That's what I'm going to say. That's, um, dude, I don't want no scrub. Yeah. Scrub is a guy who ain't getting no love from me. Hanging yeah. on the passenger side. Of the best man's best friend's ride. Best friend's robo tank. Um, whatever. Anyhow, um, yeah. They give <laughs> as the fish. as the ladies of Scan leave, they present Rogue with a gift. It's Bagman all wrapped up in a gift okay. wrap. So I'm gonna tell you. Well, mm -hmm. he may be embarrassed. That's very sweet. What a I nice gift from these ladies after they blew all these fucking people up with the lazook and stuff. They, they had the foresight to say, you know what? We were wrong. Mm -hmm. Out of everybody in the entire sector, this is what I will tell you. Did men show up to this situation? No. It no, was those, ladies. Yeah, the, those tense troopers. guys all stayed behind, for sure. <laughs> and yet they still wanted to take the time to give something back to the person that saved their sector. Yeah, Maybe totally. Maybe the only ones who were actually thankful. Plus, like, ba Bagman was the least, was the worst behaved of all the chips in the various sectors. I mean, he killed somebody. Strong agree. <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was a Nort plant, but still. Um, anyhow, it's Bagman, and he immediately comes in handy as a tank goes on a suicide run, and he's able to, able to get a grenade. In, bro. I think We've it's done pretty. This before. 
I think it's pretty funny how um, both Gunner and Bagman are immediately come back and save Rogue's life, and Helm doesn't do anything. <laughs> like, there's not like, like it's not like Rogue gets Helm it's back and he gets shot in the head. It. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's actually that's a bummer for Helm. Um. Yeah. <laughs> or 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 like Rogue's gonna have a really bad night of sleep and snips <laughs> pillow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the invasion is halted, and the scans all break up with the ROMs, and man, I'm real bummed the term emo doesn't exist anymore, because, or it d- doesn't exist yet in 1983, because I feel like this could be... The, every they're real down in the dumps here. Um, the Nords are getting pissed, as it, though. As it turns out, these Romeos are actually very, very much, maybe, into these people that they might have misjudged. In their situation where, you know, yeah, you can enjoy a woman riding on a tank with flowers and laurels. Uh But is it worth it? (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Anyhow, Fox. (laughs) Learn from their mistakes, boys. If if you're in a relationship, second guess yourself. Second guess yourself. If a woman riding on a tank comes into your life, is that really what you want? I know it's what I want, but anyhow, uh, the, <laughs> the Norts are getting pissed by all the, by all their plans getting foiled. Enough of well, these games. At dawn, we strike from the air. Scum what? Engine time. Yeah, well, if they had water, but instead they're going to fight. Yeah, so, yeah, break out those ha- those hang gliders. It's time to fight. Next time, swamped. <laughs> Scum Legion, bro. I'm in to see what the Scum Legion got, because so far we've seen the Sun Legion, and we've seen the pill water yeah, people. Yeah, it's good. I think we're going to, yeah. We're getting towards the end of uh, of uh, Fort Nero, and I'm pretty stoked for this climax here. It's getting good. Yeah. I'll tell you what. You know what I love? I love Rogue running up to a tank and throwing some grenades inside that tank, and then that tank exploding. It's pretty good. Got to agree. And speaking of large vehicles exploding, Fox. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> Thrill five skills. <sighs> I'm so happy right now. Yeah. Script robot Alan Moore. Art robot Jim Bakey. Letting robot Tony Jacob. It's Alan Moore's first regular story here on the podcast. Bro dog, let me tell you right now. I could have you wait till the end of skiz to tell you that i love skiz oh but nice there's only one prog of it and yeah. conrad i fucking love skiz nice yeah we start uh and medius res in the middle of things as a pilot tries to save their spaceship but and uh and it's pretty cool because all, all like the tech goggledy goop that they normally have is all like uh like otherworldly no. Because it's like yeah, he talks about but like, but it's actually religious. In his yeah, there's themes. a lot of yeah. He talks about like the esoteric um con- uh, uh, p- uh paradox or whatever. He yeah, um, and like all of the um techno things also have a lot of like uh biolo- like yeah, bi- biological, biological yeah. words in them and stuff like that too. So definitely, it's it's one of these things where they just where it's throwing a lot of jargon at you basically to kind of create this sense of like otherness of of a technology that's kind of familiar to us, Organic. but also yeah, but also has diff- has big differences that are also super super obvious and stuff. Or if you're like me and have no idea what I'm about to say, maybe Alan Moore has probably done some mushrooms. <laughs> Or maybe some acid. I mean, 
Not that I would know. Signs, uh, you know, I mean, I want to go Magic 8-Ball on there, but I wouldn't say it's unlikely. Um, anyhow, <laughs> so the pilot tries to save their spaceship. Um, we see he's an alien and shouting these uh, this big string of umlauted yous, which is pretty crazy. Yo! The, uh, the ship finally crashes, and we see the pilot, Interpreter Zix, Zix uh, come to its Z-H-C-C-Z. So it's kind of hard to Bro, pronounce. he's not dead. In fact, he's woken up by his semi-sentient computer. And I say semi-sentient yeah. because it can only obey kind of his commands. Yeah. The but ship's... it still understands the circumstances. Absolutely. Yeah, the ship's computer tells him that he's crashed on an inhabited planet in the hell world. 79% chance that he would have survived. We get a uh, an interesting thing where they basically say that all the planets that uh, the... Um, galaxy wants cordoned off and people not to visit have like a uh, asteroid belt in the middle of them which I thought was kind of cool well it may be an M class planet commander there are living people on this yeah. planet etc we can't just go fucking around with them with our warp <laughs> technology we can't just tell them that if you reinvert your phase aligners that you're going to go to warp factor 5 alright right. Like, that's all I'm saying yeah uh, we get sort of in this part a better sense of Zix's uh, kangaroo-like spacesuited form as he basically convinces convinces the ship not to kill him too when it begins By its self-destruct that sequence. He's divesting himself of all things while then grabbing the thing that has all the things that the computer <laughs> said not to grab. Right. Just say. But uh, he manages to escape as the ship self-destructs to prevent technology from being found by the humans. Zix, uh, Zix barely escapes the blast and woozily uh, gets to his feet using a pole to steady himself. The pole with the highway sign welcoming people to the t- to the city of Birmingham. Is that like, uh, I guess, Las Vegas? No. Is that is that L.A.? No. It's a is town. That, it's a, it's it's Birmingham is in that England. Like Kansas City. It's more like Kansas City. <laughs> I mean, we'll start. Hashtag sorry, Birmingham. Birmingham. You don't say the ham. That's what I've learned. Birmingham. 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 Yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. We'll get a sense more about the town uh, next time when we go to Nia Nightmare Dark Demons. I love me some skiz. Yeah, this is a certain skiz. It's so well crafted in terms of it doesn't explain. Any of what's said, either in yeah. the text boxes or, or or how the character of the uh, computer or how Skiz communicates to each other. Yeah. The inference of what those things mean is there because it says you will figure it out because it's not actually all that hard. Yeah, it definitely does a lot to sort of really create this world of, the, of this character and stuff. I'm really excited to see... Just to get into this story, we're going to meet a bunch of really interesting characters and just this whole setting. Um, you know, obviously the elephant in the room for Skiz is uh, is E.T., but I think that we're going to... You know, sure. I think that as we sort of get into these characters and stuff, I think it's, it's interesting to keep that in mind, but also see what the differences are and sort of how different parts of this story are handled. So I'd say, you so, know... So the thing about E.T. is that you didn't know... Where he was from, why he was from there, what his uh, philosophical idea was. Yeah, he was no. a stranded infant on a planet 
ostensibly. Yeah. In like we, which some children, which we can relate to, helped. Yeah, well, I mean, End you, story. you know, let's see how we, how it goes with Skiz, but I think it's definitely a big difference is, yeah, that, that E.T. is kind of a cipher when he shows up. You don't really know yes. what's going on with him, what his internal monologue and all that stuff is. We have way more of that with Skiz. That right there is a big difference in the story. You're, and, um, you're not... You're not invested in in E.T.'s going back to home other than that he figures out because he's a sentient being. Yeah. Please send me home. Yeah. No, this I think guy, eh, you've got some vested interest within the first prod. Yeah. And I'm interested to see what, what you're going to think at the end of like next episode when we start getting more more characters oh, don't say that, and things get more things. Maybe thing. like <laughs> because I mean in a good way. I really like Skiz. I think okay. it's a really it's a really great story. It's got one of my favorite um endings of a two thousand eighty story so far, actually. Um, really? But okay, this now is gonna I'm be I'm, I'm this is what I've been looking forward to actually, so I'm I'm pretty excited that we're finally getting to it for sure. I'm, I I will tell you, the opening is maybe the most promising I've seen in a long time. It's got some fun stuff, man. Of new stories, right? Like, Harry and the High Rock is a new story that I loved the intro into. Um, and then it was short-lived, right? Like, it said, I will begin and I will end. Yeah. Skiz- I imagine Skiz is the same. Skiz is the same, yeah. It'll be done. Oh, thank God. By, like. I love it. You know, it'll it'll be done in just a couple procs, or or in a couple episodes, That's I should perfect. say. Like That's it's it's perfect. Yeah, it's like Harry Twenty just in. I think both of them are like about twenty or so page or progs or so. So it should be good. Anyhow, <laughs> maybe this <laughs> is some behind the scenes stuff, but it, it, this is something that I've been asking for. I don't yeah. need something. It's definitely it's ever. definitely this. Yeah, it's definitely the stuff we talked about in the last spinnies where we you know discussed having some more sort of shorter stories. And less sort of stories that just become part of a big, um, like continuing episodic thing, you know? Yeah, be be confident in your storytelling, yeah. you know. But speaking of uh, returning episodic things, Fox, <sighs> <sighs> Thrill Six, Time Twisters, and Tharg the Mighty. Can we do one of these and skip the rest? <laughs> no, we got we, we can do them quick though. <laughs> So first, there's uh, the 200 Years War. That's uh, that script robot Chris Louder as J.H.T. Art robot Mike White, letting robot Peter Knight. Uh, 22nd century, a war has been fought for the last 200 years, first with nukes and conventional weapons, then with whatever they could find lying around. No one knows how it started. In a last-ditch effort to end the war, before it starts, they send a guy back to the 20th century to try to avoid the conflict. But uh, America and Russia, both assuming that the man from the future must have untold technological secrets, literally fight over hi- fight over possession of him in a scuffle on the floor of the UN, the stress of which causes the time traveler to die, and the argument over whose fault that was triggers Armageddon. So- <laughs> I don't care. I'm putting the TARDIS sound over that womp womp, too. Anyhow... Um- <laughs> Um, next up, it's the perfect crime. Jack Adrian does the script robot, art robot, Matthew Bellinelli, leg robot, Peter this Knight. Is, this is not not weak, but it is like oh weak. 
This is kind of, yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's just a story about a guy. He's talking to the camera about using time travel to commit the perfect crime. Um, in this case, stealing gold bars from the Titanic before it sinks. Uh, he's also... I guess he, that's a thing? Part of the perfect crime is also uh, murdering the scientist that built the time travel device, which actually happens a lot in these time travel stories now that I'm thinking which about you it. you would think, <laughs> like, has some ramification, but sure. Well, they kill him in the present. You know, they don't go back in time to kill him, but whatever. Yeah, but if I had a time machine, I'd go to the present to find out if I was dead because someone yeah. fucking killed me and be like, go to the I'm future, but to check. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But anyhow, as always, there's the twist. In this case, when the dude arrives in the past, he accidentally kills his own grandfather before his father is conceived. So after he steals some gold bars, he winks out of existence. Oops. <laughs> oh, God, I scared a horse and buggy carriage, which made me do a thing. And I guess I'm dead now. Don't do time crimes where your ancestors are. That's the lesson here. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> I would say the lesson is that time police don't actually fucking stop you man we'll talk about that next episode but um first god i hope so first we go we go uh, chrono cops first we go to uh the (gasps) next we go to the perfect crime uh script robot jack adrian art robot massimo bellardinelli again letting robot pete knight this i i think this or sorry i should say i got this one wrong actually sorry rogan's run Script robot Alan Grant as Stavros, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, letting robot Jack Potter. So this is a crazy action-packed time twister as Ian Ratfink Rogan, a scarred and evil time bandit, uses time shenanigans to escape from being sentenced to 30 years hard labor. Time shenanigans. Time shenanigans. Correct. He, he cheats his accomplice because he like already spent the money that's in the safe deposit box that he gave him the key to to pay him for his services. He goes back in time and uh, running from the space cops and from the from the time authorities and starts the great and starts the great London fire and then eventually arrives in Paris of 1793 where he ditches his time belt and kills and takes the place of the king of France mere moments before the revolutionaries arrive to take him to the guillotine as part of the French Revolution. Okay, three points to this story. Yes. Point number one. Mm -hmm. Does time police itself? Point number two. If I'm the time cops and I know that you're the cop that goes back in time to start the fire because the guy shot you, did you already have a death wish or were you kind of at the end of your thing? Point number three. What the fuck would it actually have to have a meaningful impact to be a time cop if you knew that all the things that you would do happened? It's kind of like knowing all the things. I mean, I feel like, um, so, I mean, maybe just all the time interactions. All the possible things. All the time interactions, like, ripple through. For in this version of physics that that this comic is taking place in, so the yes. actions of the time cops aren't known until someone goes back and does them. But before someone goes back in time, it's not listed on their books yet. It hasn't happened yet. There's something like and that. And then you're like, "Oh shit! I started the London Fire and I'm dead." Yep. I don't know. <laughs> you fuck can't. It. These, you know, this is one of these no, ones that doesn't Conrad, require too much thinking it. about. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, next up, it's the Reversible Man. Uh, script robot Alan Moore, art robot Mike White, letter robot Peter Knight. Oh, man. Yay, I like Reversible Man. Yeah, it seems like they've been holding back Alan Moore time twisters. And now that Skiz has started, they're getting released. They're releasing a bunch of them. Uh, this one's one of my favorites, honestly. It's a pretty simple story. Just about a, norm- a, a man lives a fairly normal life and then dies. 
but it's told backwards. So he like gets up from having a stroke. He but he doesn't know. realize it, right? Like, no, it's just a big twister. Yeah, it's all perfectly natural. It, it all seems perfectly natural to him. You know, he well, it, like his mother's name is Norman Nor- Norma Normal. Yeah. And his father's name is Norman Normal. Right, but I mean, you know, that's just a little like it, it, that's all written backwards. It's, it's a, a little nod hard to, to it. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, you know, he, like, uh, starts his new job where he gives back a gold watch and then has a series of demotions. You know, his parents come back to life. His kids are unborn. He, him and his wife are unmarried. There's this one really haunting moment I love where him and his wife, you see them, they, like, they, like put their newspapers on the ground and then pick them back up and then bump into each other. Which is like how they how they how they met the first time, but instead it just says, "I never saw her again," which I think is really neat. Um, yeah. Eventually, he gets younger and younger, turning back into a turning back into a kid, and he's eventually unborn, and then that sort of fades, goes to black, basically, as he sort of you know the doc as the doctor unslaps his behind, basically. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Correct. But I think this is a great story. Just the way it's told is funny and kind of like melancholy or sad, I guess. It just sort of, you know, th- well, this guy losing, like, like just both. It's, it's way of, of, of life where he's both gaining things and losing things in different ways than, you know, obviously people normally have, I think. So what I like about it is that it itself realizes that it's telling a backwards through time story. Yeah. The character whether they do or not does not understand that first it's it's past is going before its eyes right like my life is running before it's my own eyes but that why would your life run forwards why wouldn't it run backwards right yeah it's all which is the funny the funny element but also that while they're living it which is the third layer Mm -hmm. while they're living it they wouldn't realize this and then they fade back into nothingness. Yeah. And then the fourth layer being, you return to nothing. Yeah, it's an interesting concept. I really like it. You know, I don't it, know. <laughs> it, it is by far my favorite time twister. I think it's a lot of fun. You know, it's all, although I will say, living backwards is all well and good until you go to the bathroom and you're like pulling like pee <laughs> back out of the toilet. You know? Okay. Yeah, they definitely didn't get into that. He, yeah. he definitely did highlight moments, so that's why I was like, time passing before your eyes, so you're not thinking like the most epic shit that I ever took, shooting back into your yeah, body. Yeah, it's bad times. Uh, people further interested in this sort of thing should see that one episode of uh, Red Dwarf. Oh, it's real good. But um, anyhow, oh. final story, Invasion of the Thrill Suckers, Art Robot, Does Massimo Belladonelli. story? Can we just omit it from the record? Just is that again, right? It's doing real fast. Basically, oh man, this is the start of a multi-issue Tharg story, but luckily it's one of the last of them. But, you know, basically it's Thrill Suckers, man. They got, like, mushroom heads and uh, elephant trunks, and they suck Thrill Power. Um, this mm-hmm. is a new strain, the greater spotted Thrill Sucker. They're in, they're infesting the dictators of Zrag, making them all tired, Yay. bored, and listless. The dictators identify this problem, and they offer the Thrill Suckers leader, the Suck Fuhrer, to go to Earth and suck all the thrills there, so the invasion is on. But wait! Yeah, but it's a big trick. 
Well, as they arrive, they see that they're confronted by Tharg's previous solution to the thrill sucker problem, a bunch of one-armed punching pro-thrill microbes. It's time for a microscopic showdown. Next time, microbe versus thrill sucker, and the prize is Earth. Yeah, I'm guessing which one wins, the thrill suckers. I mean, they'll win for a little bit. But anyhow, um, with that, Fox, we're done with thrills. What, whatever. We're done with thrills for Progs 305 to 308, buddy. Uh, February and March 83. Dog. And with Dog. that, yeah, the question remains, what were your top and bottom thrills for this month or this episode? It's it's almost a three-way tie. Runner-up, and I mean bro, Rogue Trooper. I just want to give you like a little fist bump and then a, a tight hug and be like, I'm so proud of you. Because I, I'm i not the biggest proponent of Rogue Trooper for so long, but this whole thing that they've been doing, and I'm not saying that it should be funny, and I'm not saying that it should be serious, but I am saying that it should take my time into account when I'm reading a comic book. <laughs> and uh, right now, it's fucking great. Now, here's the problem that I have, Conrad. I mm-hmm. have to choose. Mm-hmm. I have to choose. Between Judge Dredd... Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That trap a hag. <laughs> yes. And, uh, fuck, where did it go? Harry 20? Sorry. Yes. Thank you. So I have to choose between Judge Dredd and Harry 20. Yeah. And here's ultimately what I came up with. Mm hmm. Harry 20. Why would I yeah. not choose Harry 20 on the high rock, motherfucker? Harry Super fair, buddy. Amazing. Harry 20 is exactly what I've been asking for. For nice. maybe. The last 12 progs, like, my, my thing is, is that, like, I, I so much prefer the structure and format of saying that something will end, but mm. giving it your full attention, than something that doesn't. Yeah, I hear that, for sure. So, right now, it's, like, uh, even though Judge Shred has run for so long, right, and has been so powerful, <sighs> Sort like of, it's, it's a, it's another kind of villain of the month. Yeah, you kind of so, get into the week to week dread stuff in between yeah, the so, epics. And so stuff. So now I'm in a situation where I have to choose between a week to week or a month to month, and yeah, uh, the thing I've been asking for, which now looks like it's skiz. So we've got these uh, these comics that are now on this cyclical, like yes, there's an end, a definitive end. Yeah, enjoy it. Totally. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. So what's your bottom thrill for this month? That's the big question. <sighs> like, like, I don't know, like Robo Hunter. Like, I, yeah. I was done. I was, uh, I like it. And I'm like, <laughs> Sam is, is still Sam in the same way that like, I don't know, that Bugs Bunny might still be Bugs Bunny. Right. Right. Like, I can enjoy a cartoon of, of Scooby-Doo still. <laughs> um, right. uh, but the storyline's done. Yeah. And, and, and should have ended a little while longer. And I would have, I would have been more appreciative of like a, a shorter Sam Slate story than I yeah. was. No, I think that makes sense for sure. And how about you, Connor? What was your top and bottom thrill? Well, I'm going to be in solidarity, I think. My top's Harry 20 finishing up, and my bottom is Robo Hunter, just because I get a little tired of these musical things, you know? Um, 
it's kind of fun, but in the end, oh man, now um, I'm editing these episodes that have the musical stuff in them. It's a lot of work, and I don't know if I care for it. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> that's the that's the prosaic answer. But the also one is just yeah, like I feel like. Doing songs just allowed this sort of fairly short story to get played out over like 15 episodes or something like that. And while it does seem difficult and like writing a bunch of song parodies is kind of rough, um, in the end, it just isn't enough to sort of maintain a fairly thin narrative. So, um, you know, this was not the my favorite Robo Hunter story. Um, and, you know, it's fun, but like it did kind of get on my nerves a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> It's at the end where it's like, do we need the concentration camp? Do we need all of this? Yeah. Where it's like, they killed Iron Aggie and I just decided to resurrect her. Yeah. And then I Harry 20. Yeah, man, it's a taut, um, suspenseful thriller. And that's a great way to end the story, man. Real good. Just real, real, real great moments of, uh, of people just uh, moving through these stories, you know, move through the story real fast and telling a really, like, you know, bare bones, like, adventure story with a lot of suspense and just things moving along, which I think is a real, real great for these... It's something that British comics can really let you accomplish with these sort of shorter stories over the course of, of weeks, you know? Strong um, agree, man. Yeah. So it's I thought the that was... strength of anthologies. Yeah, it was real good. Um, highly recommended. And yeah, all right. I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, the Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com, on the 2080 forums, or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages, on Twitter at spacespinner2k. For everything else, just look up Space Spinner 2000 and we should be there. And then come back next time as Fox takes the takes Thursday off. And I'm joined by Stephen Lacey of the Fantastic Cast podcast. And we're going to be talking about the 1983 sci-fi special. Yeah, it's a veritable Venn diagram. I think I've said this before, but this, but this year we're having a Venn diagram of a podcast guest, of a guest host on the show. Uh, the two circles for that Venn diagram are a podcast hosts and figures in 2080 fandom. Anyhow. <laughs> so the special is pretty interesting though there's a big dread story with art by a uh, famous comic book artist john byrne and then the return of the greatest invi- um the greatest in- invasion story ever told quack quack podcast listeners until then <laughs> i'm conrad he's fox and we are space spinner 2000 splendid birthrig. 